Now, uh, as I was coming in, I got here early today, and a number of people said, is Sue home feeding the pig? <laughs> I said, well, actually, she's here with me. Uh, the pig went to meet Otto, the sausage maker, just yesterday. <laughs> so we're done with that. And uh, she's sitting right there. Three rows back, I, I said, why aren't you sitting with me? She said, well, that's the pastor's pew up there, you know, and I don't want to be presumptuous. So. so if it's not pigs, it's pews. What's a fellow to do? I don't know. But what, what we're here to do is worship the Lord. And uh, if you have your Bibles, please open them to Genesis chapter 2. Uh, if you were here last month when I was here, I told you that was part one. This is part two of a message about marriage. So I think it's appropriate to read Genesis chapter 2, uh, verse 18 through 25. Then the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Now out of the ground the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature that was its name the man gave names to all livestock and to the birds of the heavens and to every beast of the field but for adam there was not found a helper fit for him so the lord god caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man and while he slept uh, took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh and the rib that the lord god had taken from the man he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Then the man said, This at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. Uh, if you've learn this verses, these verses in the King James, it talks about leaving your family and cleaving to your spouse. So leaving and cleaving, very easy to remember. And since we're talking about marriage, one of our uh, key components in marriage was the leaving and the cleaving. Always leave and cleave uh, with a kiss. When you're walking out the door, make sure you give her a kiss. I know if you're late, it might just be a peck. Uh, if you're smart and you got a little extra time on your hands, you can linger. Uh, and then when you come back, do it again. It works. That's all I got to say. Now, the second reading is in Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes chapter 4. And I took the liberty to read this passage because this was read at our wedding, which took place in the old, old church across the street. Uh, I think we were the next to the last. There was one other couple was married in that room. Was it you, Dave? It wasn't you, Dave. You don't even know where you're married. I'll tell you, brother. Uh, no, I think it was, uh, well, anyway, I don't know. But in Ecclesiastes, there's a very important point made here. I'll read from verse 7 to keep it in context. Again, I saw vanity under the sun, one person who has no other, either son or brother, yet there is no end to all his toil, and his eyes are never satisfied with riches, so that he never asks, for whom am I toiling, 
and depriving myself of pleasure. This also is vanity and an unhappy business. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow, but woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm, but how can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. The threefold cord, we were proud to stand there because it, uh, during our wedding ceremony and, and say that something we learned at Lighty's, that it wasn't Denny and Sue getting married, it was Denny and Sue and Jesus. That's the threefold cord that cannot be ripped. And I said it last time, the most important relationship you'll ever have in your life, and the, the one relationship that'll give you a good marriage is your personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. If you haven't met him and fallen in love with him, then I really don't have much hope for you. But oh, if you'll give your heart to him. When you can't get along with your spouse, you can get along with Jesus. His mercies are new every morning. He'll sit you down, straighten you up, and might give you a little pat on the butt, you know, a little spanking if you need it, but he'll put you right back in there. God is good. So, all the time, amen. Well, our third reading is where the message is coming from, and that is in Colossians chapter 3. Uh, I'm only focusing on two verses, but again, to keep it in context, Let's read the first 19 verses. Colossians chapter 3. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these, you too once walked when you were living in them. But now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, Put on compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, 
singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thanks, thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Let us take a moment to meditate on these precious words of God. We love you and we thank you and we're so glad to be here in your presence. Speak to our hearts now, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this message came about as uh, I was anticipating our 44th wedding anniversary. We hadn't got there yet when I was with you before, but on August 7th, uh, we celebrated that uh, with a very expensive dinner. My goodness. And uh, then we took a walk on the beach. We, we live close to Long Beach Island, and it was just a delightful evening. Um, and, um, you know, by and large, our marriage has been good. I would not say it's perfect, because I've never met any perfect marriage or seen it. I, I used to do some marriage counseling as a pastor, and I got to tell you, my wife got more flowers than anybody else. You know why? Because after that counseling session, I'd stop off and buy flowers and take them home and say, I'm so glad you're not her. <laughs> I'm so glad I'm married to you. You know, and I wanted to keep her. And, uh, I, and you know, I don't know if things got weird because we ended up having a flower farm. That's what we have. We don't just raise pigs. That was a side thing. But we have a, a farm where we raise flowers. So now she gets flowers every day and it doesn't cost me so much. But I guess everybody here would like to have a perfect marriage. Uh, I've heard it said that Adam and Eve came close to that. Uh, Eve didn't have to hear about how good Adam's mother cooked. And Adam didn't have to hear about all the other men Eve could have married. Uh, so they got along okay for a while. But, uh, you know, God loves us so much. And a lot of people make the Bible out to be complex and this relationship with God to be complex. And, and you know, a loving father gives his message in a very simple manner. He knows we, we can't remember much and he doesn't give us a whole big list of do's and don'ts. Uh, he really breaks it down where we can understand it. And that's what Paul shares with us uh, in Colossians. And there were two things. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. You know, do it like the Lord uh, suggested to you. And when we went over that, we, we brought up the fact that really this submission is respect. And a man thrives on respect. Ladies, if you haven't figured that out, please give it a shot. Respect him. Uh, he needs it. You, you start mocking him or making fun of him and other, in front of other people, and he's going to hurt deep. He might not show it right away, but he'll resent that. Uh, you want to respect him. And, of course, uh, she's not going to respect us, fellas, uh, unless the following verse comes along. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. So we're going to focus on that second part. Uh, so this is a message then for men. Now, if you're here and you're not married, or if you're a woman, please continue to listen. 
Uh, you may, like I said last time, you know, this will give you something. You may have friends that are having trouble in their marriage. You'll have something now to share with them, to encourage them, and get them back on track. So you can learn something, how you can be useful. The, the Bible's very practical. And if you're here as a woman, I wish you weren't, honestly. I'd rather talk to the men where you don't hear it, and then they can come home and surprise you, you know. Uh, and if your husband is here and he starts to sleep, it's probably disrespectful, but give him a shot to the ribs, okay? Uh, that's where you came from anyway, from the ribs. Just hit him back and wake him up because he needs to hear this. And since I'm feeling rather uh, a little off right now, I'm a little nervous uh, because of all that, I think I'm going to pray again. And I'm going to pray that old Scottish prayer that I love so much. Father, for what we know not teach us, what we have not give us, what we are not, make us. And we ask this for the sake of your son, Jesus. Amen. So, gentlemen, I have five points here. Please listen carefully. First of all, every woman desires the love of her husband. Every woman desires the love of her husband. Well, that's nice, but what is love? You know, we have to define the words we're using here. And I want to be honest with you, before I attended Lighty's Church, I didn't have a clue about what love was. All I learned about love was what I saw on TV, read in books, or, you know, saw in some dumb movie. And then I read 1 John chapter 4, verse 7 through 8. Listen to this carefully, because this defines love. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. If you don't know God, I'm going to tell you straight up, you're incapable of pure love. And that's the kind of love God wants us to, to have flowing through us. It's from God. Did you hear that? Love is from God. And you have to be born of God in order to know God. And when you know God, you realize God is love. That's where it starts. It was a big awakening for me. I don't know about you, but boy, that woke me up because I thought I knew everything about, you know, love and romance and all that silly stuff. Uh, but I didn't know anything until I knew the Lord. And then he began to shape me and teach me uh, right here. Uh, well, across the street, you know. So God is love. You've got to get to know him. Now, the Bible is, the New Testament was written in Greek. And there are about six words that the Greek used for different types of love. Uh, and we need, need to know that. The three main types of love I want to quickly review. So written in Greek, eros, that's the romantic kind of love, like erotic, you know. Uh, it's the Hollywood, it's the infatuation, it is intimacy, and a good marriage will have this. You, you don't want to neglect that, okay? There's a lot of room for romantic love in a marriage. Philia, or philos, is brotherly love. And of course, we get our Philadelphia from that. There's not a whole lot of love going on down there, you know, especially since they're defunding the police department. Oh, well, let's get back on text. Uh, but, you know, somebody had the hope, and they named the city uh, after brotherly love. Well, what is that? It's about loyalty. It's about generosity, showing appreciation. It's the more, one of the more noble forms of love because it doesn't involve sex. It's just kind of one that you could give to a good friend. And 
Uh, it, you know, it's that kind of love. And a good marriage, you know, you'll often hear the couple say, well, my husband's my best friend or my wife is my best friend. So we have that as well in Christian marriages. The third word is the one that Paul used in our text. And this is the one that God requires. Now note, this is not a suggestion. God commands us, gentlemen, to love our wives. Uh, and we want to take that to heart because God only commands things when he knows it's for our benefit. You know, I had a little, uh, one of my sons, my youngest son, used to run out in the street all the time. And, and I tried to tell him, if you run out in the street, you could get hurt. You could get hit by a car. He didn't understand that. But one thing the boy understood was pancakes. That kid loved to eat pancakes. So when I said to him, if you run out in the street and get hit with a car, you're gonna look like a pancake for the rest of your life. See, he got that, he got that. And he stopped running out in the street. That was a commandment I gave him and he figured it out. So here we've got this word, agape. And this love, it's a kind of love that gives unconditionally without expectation. And how many times I've counseled people, elevate your love and lower your expectations. This is the, I, I think it was Franklin, Ben Franklin said, go into marriage with your eyes wide open. Continue in marriage with your eyes half shut. Okay, does that make sense? You know, he's saying, you gotta overlook some things. Uh, it's an unconditional love. You don't look for something in return, you just do it because it's there. It's not a feeling, it's more than a feeling. You'll get some feelings with it, but it's a choice. Now, if you look back with me at verse 12 in our Colossians text, notice what this love looks like. Now, men, you ought to have a pen and underline your Bible, and if you don't have a pen and your wife wears lipstick, ask to borrow the lipstick and underline it. Do something, but underline it. And mind you, she's watching, so whether you believe it or not, just underline it. It'll go well for you. Verse 12, he says, put on then. Now, again, he's not suggesting. He's saying, make a choice. You know, when you put on your pants this morning, you made a choice. I'm going to put my pants on. So he says, put on then. As God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. This is what he tells us to put on compassion, compassionate hearts. We have to have compassion for the wives. Kindness, humility, you know, uh, kindness, by the way, toward her, it's in our speech, but it's also in our tone of voice and, and the things we do. Uh, humility, we choose humility, not to be demanding, not always having to be right. Boy, that was a tough one to get over. I went to see Armin Weller one time as a newlywed. I, he said, what's the problem? I said, she thinks she's always right. And he said, and you think you're right, don't you? And I said, yeah. And he said, well, you probably are. He said, but I'll tell you, the shortest way to get from A to Z is to say, oh, honey, maybe I don't understand that a little bit, you know, and let her be right. See, the wives shouldn't have heard that, I can tell you also. <laughs> Is he sincere? Yes. Anyway, there's this humility, not demanding to be right. Meekness. Meekness is strength under control. It's not, you're not Tarzan the ape man when you come home. You know, you keep your strength where it belongs. Uh, we choose patience. We choose patience. Now, if you're sitting here next to your wife, 
Just look at her in the eye. Take a look at her. Let me ask you, fellas, isn't she worth waiting for? You know? We were going to leave at 7 o'clock. I was sitting in the car at 7.23. I was kind of fuming, but I thought, i got to give a message and say she's worth waiting for. I guess I better just sit here and stop honking the horn. <laughs> we choose to bear with her. Well, what does that mean? It means accepting her imperfections. You don't have to tell her she has them. You know what they are, and she knows yours. But, but you've got to accept that. She's not perfect but you love her. And then the most important one in this text, we choose to forgive her if she makes a mistake, if she wrongs us. And not only are we to forgive her, but we're to forgive her like Christ forgave us of all our nasty sins. And you know the neat part about this little passage here? In verse 14, says, you know, you put on love, that's what we're talking about, which binds it all together. And here it is, to me, this is a promise from God. It binds it together in perfect harmony. Harmony. Isn't that what you want in your home? The world's got enough chaos. You don't need that. You want harmony. And if you want harmony and you're a married man, this is how you're going to get it. Uh, as, in as much as it's up to you. And, uh, you know, isn't it, isn't it wonderful that God gives you that special woman? You know, I always tell her, you know, I got lips. They're for you, you know. Nobody else gets the kisses and all that. She's just special. And I'll tell you, when you start to understand how God wants you to treat her, and you do that, and mind you, she'll tell you. She ought to be giving this message. She'll tell you, I don't always have good days. I'm still a selfish person. I make mistakes. But on a good day you'll have harmony. And when you see that twinkle in her eye, oh, brother, that's something to live for. Let me move on. That's only the first one. We've got four more to go. Every wife desires to be beautiful to her husband. She wants you to understand that she's the prettiest woman in the, in the whole world. And I got to tell you right there in row number three, not the pastor's pew, but row number three sits the prettiest woman in the entire world. In fact, I don't often see other women. Uh, it was back in 1959, the flamingos expressed what I'm trying to say. Uh, remember that old song? It says, are the stars out tonight? I can't see if it's cloudy or bright. For I only have eyes for you, dear Shabbat-a-bop, you know. <laughs> bop Shabbat. I don't know what Bop Shabbat means. <laughs> but I know I have eyes for you. There you go. I can still see Dave, but I have eyes for you. Okay. I told you if you sit up front, you become a sermon illustration, didn't I? Oh, well. You know, it's a, it's a fact. Women like to be considered beautiful. Uh, if you've been around little girls, you know, don't they all just love to get those princess dresses on, you know, the puffy things, and they twirl around. They like to play wedding day and pretend they're a bride. And, oh, man, you know, they, uh, they like to be noticed. They like to be daddy's little girl. Uh, I just love it. But, you know, little girls grow up, and they do become wives. And in John Eldridge's book, Wild at Heart, he wrote this. He said, every wife needs to know that she is exquisite, exotic, and chosen. This is core to her identity, the way she bears the image of God. She asks, will you pursue me? Do you delight in me? 
Will you fight for me? Husbands, let your wife know in word and in deeds that she is outstanding among women. Third, every wife desires to be rescued, protected, and nurtured. Now, this is going to fly in the face of modern feminism. Hold on to your hat before you throw it at me, okay? Ladies, uh, women desire to be rescued, protected, and nurtured. Why would I say that? Well, because sadly, it is a fact that one out of four women in the United States have been molested. And that's just physical molestation. There's all kind of other things come at them to grind them down uh, and, you know, let them feel as if they're not worthy of love. Uh, and therefore, a woman needs continual rescuing. Maybe her father told her, you know, she looked fat or, or this or that, you know, and, and it hurt her so deeply that she needs to hear you say that you love her and that she's beautiful. Uh, a woman wants a man like Jesus who came to rescue his bride. That's what he called the church. He came to rescue his bride. From what? From sin. Not necessarily their own sin, but from the sin that was dumped on them as well. He was a strong yet gentle warrior. And I love what I believe it was Isaiah said about him. A bruised reed he would not crush. Gentlemen, there's a good chance your wife was bruised at one time or another in her life. Don't crush it. Don't remind her of it. Just love her and protect her. Rescue her from that. Uh, a woman wants a man like Jesus who patiently protected his church in prayer. A man does well when he prays for his wife. I shared with you last time how my wife would pray for me and uh, it just gave me the courage and the strength to get up and go to work and uh, where I might find the blessing of God and of man as I did my job. Uh, we need to pray for our wives. And I would ask you just straight out, men, do you pray for your wife? Ought to. Really ought to. It'll go well for you. Do you protect her financially by working and making wise investments and by not wasting money? You know, I, I heard it said one time, we men get all upset if the wife spends an extra $10 on the grocery bill or some frivolous little thing. And then the next week we come driving home with a big motorboat behind our truck, you know. And, oh, look what I got, you know. Uh, we tend to spend money wastefully and uh, that's not a, that doesn't love or nurture, you know, or protect. Uh, be careful how you do your money. A woman wants a man like Jesus who nurtured his church by teaching and modeling a joyful and righteous life. Man, are you consistent in your behavior? I knew a guy that uh, eventually got saved and came here, uh, but before he did, you know, he said, he said, you see these guys, you go to church with them. He said, I'll tell you something, they're not like that on during the week. They might be that way on Sunday, but they're different during the week. Boy, that was hard to hear. Um, I hope you're not one of those guys, you know. Uh, you want to be consistent the way you are here. You know, my wife, God bless her, she, <laughs> I wasn't listening to her for a while there at a certain time in our marriage. And so uh, she made an appointment with our secretary, my church secretary. She said, a woman's going to come see you about 3 o'clock. I said, who is it? She goes, I don't have her name, but it's real important. You need to stay and see her. And so I did. I, boy, was I surprised when my wife walked in the door. She said, I know when you counsel other women, you sit there and listen and nod your head and say, mm-hmm, 
Mm-hmm. She said, so I want you to be quiet and listen to me. And then she told me a few things that were lacking in our marriage. Man, you're a bold woman, I'll tell you. But she also came in in a really pretty dress and she arranged to have the kids go with the babysitter. And we had a wonderful evening reconnecting. And now I don't know why I told you that because I didn't put it in my notes. So I might as well move on. Number four, every wife longs for an adventure to share. I remember last time I talked about those movies we like, those action movies that men like, you know, and I really believe we were born for adventure. I think God put it in our DNA. We are the hunter-gatherers, and, uh, you know, we still have that in us. But have you noticed in those movies like Gladiator, Braveheart, that sort of thing, there's always a woman sharing the adventure in the best movies, you know, in the best movies. There's always somebody right beside this fellow. And I would say to you uh, that a woman wants to share the adventures of life with you. Now, she doesn't want to be the adventure, okay? She wants to share the adventures. A lot of guys think that the, event, the adventure ends with the pursuit uh, that ends up with the I do. That's not the end, guys. That's the beginning. You caught her, but that, it, it's sort of like salvation and sanctification. Salvation happens, great, it's wonderful, but then God brings in this thing called sanctification where he sets us apart to himself. That's where the, the story begins. Are you living for Christ? You know, are, are you there, you know, thinking about your wife? Are you wanting to take her along on these adventures of faith? And an, I'll tell you what, a, a life that has has faithful adventures in it. Man, is that cool. It's really a wonderful life. Uh, you know, I, I probably shared with you before, one of the first things we did after we got married, Sue and I smuggled Bibles into the Iron Curtain, you know, beyond the Iron Curtain in communist uh, Romania and Yugoslavia. That was an adventure, that was for sure. Uh, our father, I, I thought he was gonna shoot me before that one happened. He didn't like that idea. But she did, she understood, and we went on that adventure. You know, is it one of the greatest adventures for us? We taught sixth grade boys Sunday school at Lighty's Church. That's worse than facing dogs and, and machine guns. I mean, those kids are tough. Uh, but we did it together. We served as missionaries together, you know. Uh, and we were in the Middle East. I remember one Friday night, we were, had just got there and we're driving down the road. It's me and Sue in the front and our daughters in the back seat. And these kids are, are you know, protesting. So they're throwing firebombs in the street, you know, Molotov cocktails. And when the glass breaks, the, fire, the flames go like this. So I'm like, oh boy, you know, how do I, I'm trying to maneuver around the fire. And Sue's like, oh my, you know, and our daughter's taking pictures. This is really cool, dad, you know. <laughs> And it, when we finally got through all that mess, I just looked over and said, man, Friday nights were never like this in New Jersey, were they? You know, uh, but it was an adventure and, and your wife needs an adventure. Now, she might not like riding through fire in the street. OK, that's but she wants you to take her on an adventure. And the f walking in faith with the Lord is an adventure going together on a hospital visit. Man, you name so many people that are sick, you know, if you can get in the hospital uh, with COVID, go together and pray for people. What an adventure and see them get better. And oh, it's just exciting. You know, Jesus didn't say, oh, you know, come to me and sit in a church pew and be bored while some guy gives you a boring sermon. 
No, he said, you come to me, I'm going to give you life and life abundant. Abundant. Think about that. She wants that, fellas. You got to take the lead. Let me move on. Number four, every wife longs to be inspired. Uh, again, with verse 19, this, this might bring some light to this verse. Husbands, love your wives. And, and here it is. Do not be harsh with them. Uh, when Paul wrote that, he's actually saying, do not be bitter against them. Uh, he wrote in Greek, I'll say it to you, it won't make any sense, but pikreno mi, pikreno pras autos. This is what it means. My bitterness becomes bitterness against you. You know that old song, you always hurt the ones you love? That's what he's talking about. And God's saying, don't do that, fellas. You're going to have a tendency to do it. You're mad at your boss and they hurt you at work. And what do you do with it? You bring it home. Boy, I did some damage to some of my kids bringing stuff home. Oh, I wish I could go back and not talk about the things that were hurting me with those little ears around. I had no idea they were listening. We have to be so careful, so careful. And he's saying God is saying to us, you may have disappointments, but don't take it out on her. My bitterness I put on you becomes your bitterness. She doesn't need that. In fact, the worst thing a husband can do to his marriage is to put his own bitterness on his wife. It'll kill her spirit. It'll squelch her. Remember what we said about Jesus? A bruised reed he would not crush. Well, to embitter a woman, your, your wife, is like stepping on a pretty flower, grinding it into the dirt. Gosh, I wish I could change some things, don't you? Now, the antonym of embitter is to inspire. Wives just love a husband that can inspire her. When she starts complaining that she can't do it, you say, sure you can, honey, you know. Oh, I just can't wash your car one more time. Oh, sure you can, honey. No, no, it, it's not that, okay? There are things in life she'd want to do, but maybe she feels she's, she's not up to it. Guys, trying to figure out how to inspire her to live up to her God-given potential. You know, there was a time when Sue wanted to go back to college. I wasn't too smart. I didn't understand this too much. And, and, and I, I said, well, what's the cost factor compared to how long you're going to live, you know? Well, that was about the dumbest thing I could have said ever. I mean, putting her into, into a mathematical, you remember that, I know. It, you know, put her in this mathematical equation about where, should we invest the money or not? Yeah, of course we should invest the money. We have to inspire her. And, you know, after she beat me up, I, I, she didn't beat me up. But after we got through that, uh, I got the money. We figured out how to get her in school, and she went on to become a school teacher, you know, and uh, later in life, I might say. Uh, you want to encourage her, fund her if you have to. Maybe she wants to start a business or go out and do a new sport or learn a musical instrument. Just inspire her. Tell her she can, because she can. She can in Christ. And if bitterness has taken a hold of you, Paul points out here that the greatest antidote to bitterness is forgiveness. Uh, in Ephesians 4, he writes about this as well in verse 31 and 32, and he tells us, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander 
be put away from you. Again, a choice to take the step, put this away, along with all malice. He says, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, and here it comes, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. You want to get rid of the bitterness, there's only one way to do it that I know of, and that's to forgive the people that hurt you. That is not easy. Do not wait until you feel like it because you'll never feel like it. They hurt you. You'd like to hurt them back, but you know, you, you kept from doing that. The only way you're gonna be healed over it is to forgive them and then let it go. And you may have to do it time and again. Sometimes, you know, the healing part takes time but you make the choice. Well, as we wrap this up, and we must, and there's so much more could be said about marriage, but as we wrap this up, let me say that the principle of wives respect your husbands and husbands love your wives is not easy. Not easy at all. But I will say it is right, it is of God, it is effective. Only thing that gets in the way of it is our pride. You know, soon after we got married, I, I made another trip to see Reverend Armin Weller. Uh, he, I loved it, visiting him when I was young, because I was young at the time, and he'd, he'd say, come here, son, let me talk to you. Come here, son, you know? And uh, so I went to see him, and uh, you see, we were having some disagreements that turned into arguments, and I wasn't very happy. And uh, you know how it goes. We act like big babies, you know. We ought, to, we ought to suck on a nook when we're not talking, you know. And there I was, you know. Well, you know, she just won't uh, respect me. She's supposed to follow my lead, you know. And until she does, I'm not going to love her. You <laughs> know, meanwhile, she's back there fuming. Until that knucklehead gives me something to respect, I'm not about to respect him, and I'm not going to follow him anywhere. And that's just the way it was. Uh, so obviously with that kind of attitude, the joy and the harmony fade very quickly. Nobody's having fun, what do you do? Well, on that particular trip, Armin Weller taught me a leadership principle called the power of the first move. Now here's where I really wish you ladies would just stick your fingers in your ears so I could talk to the men and you wouldn't say, come on, you know. Uh, listen, fellas. The power of the first move. It's a leadership principle across the board, but it really is good in marriage as well. Making the first move, it's the catalyst to move people where they truly need to be, and in this subject, in marital harmony. It's trusting. It's trusting that God's promises are true and then doing what God says to do. It's taking the initiative to be the first one to obey God and do your part not focus on her not doing her part. Does this make sense? You focus on you. You can't change anybody. If you haven't figured that out yet, get with it. You can't change anybody in this world except yourself, and you can only do that with the power of the Holy Spirit. Okay, so don't think about this message as how you're gonna change her. No, you take the initiative and do your part, and what is your part? Now, that was said by a woman. Come on, guys, you're gonna let me down. Fellas, what is our part? Love. Love. Can we get a little enthusiasm over here? What? Love. Love. There you go. Man, that's a hard group. 
Why should we do that? Why should we take the initiative? Because we made a covenant before God to love and cherish her through sickness and in health, through any kind of problem, through all the joy and the happiness that comes with marriage. We made a covenant to God. I don't want to get up to heaven and say, sorry, can't let you in, you blew the covenant. Who wants that? I heard, I heard from your wife over the years, sorry, you're not coming. Oh boy, I don't want that. I made a covenant, you know, to stand before, standing before God. So what is this? Make the first move. Here's a few examples real quickly. Be the first to give a compliment. Husbands and wives should be very generous in complimenting each other. You know, I, I like it when my wife says, oh, you look nice in that outfit. Doesn't matter that she picked it out for me because I don't know how to get dressed any, you know. Uh, but you make a compliment. And that might sound cheesy to you. Do it anyway. It's one of the easiest th ways to keep your attitude right and your marriage out of divorce court. Be the first to give a compliment. Uh, be the first to offer help with something. This is tough because, like, again, Armin Weller used to say, men are lazy. Do you ever know why, why it was only men that he would allow to take the offering? I don't know if that's continued or not, but it was always men. And I said, why is it always men? Why don't you have women do that? He goes, men are lazy. And if I let women do it, the husband would say, oh, honey, I worked hard all week. Why don't you get up and take the offering this week? I said, really? He goes, trust me. He's a wise man. But help her, and that's hard. But just roll up your sleeves and say, how can I help you? Or better yet, just go help. Uh, be the first to plan and schedule a date night. Now, a lot of times, us guys, again, kind of maybe because we're lazy, maybe we're insecure, I don't know, but we'll say, hey, honey, do you feel like doing anything? You know, what do you want to do, honey? You know, well, that's okay now and again, and, you know, but the best thing is to make a date and plan a date. She's writing that down. I, I caught you. But if you were up here, you might tell them that Friday night, I planned that date. I booked that restaurant, and it was my $120 that went up to pay the bill. She was, she was worth it every minute, and I got to sit. I don't sit next to my wife, by the way, when we go out to eat. I sit across from her. You know why? Because she's the best-looking thing on the table. Oh, boy. Oh, get focused, man. Get focused. Um, Schedule the date night, get the babysitter if you got kids, make the reservation, just like you did when you were dating, surprise her. Uh, another one, be the first to show gratitude. There's nothing better you can do than have an attitude of gratitude. And when you say something to her like, man, that was a good meal, oh, I'm so glad you made that. Uh, you know, and you wanna be specific, don't just say thank you. You know, man, I love that, well, how you put the cheese on the broccoli or whatever, you know. Uh, be specific, there's a million things for which you can uh, show gratitude. And there are many, many, many other ways you can make the first initiative, the first move in marriage. So guys, uh, pour on the love, uh, watch her, and, and watch her. You pour on the love, you will watch her respect for you grow. It really will. We were talking on the way here, driving two hours, we had some time to talk. And I said, you know, sometimes I can't believe how God has blessed us so much. And I said, just the fact that I'm allowed to come here, I've been invited to come here and talk about things of God's word in my heart. What a privilege that is. And you know, she looked over and we just had that one of those moments, you know, thanking God for bringing us together. 
Uh, I probably wouldn't be a Christian if it wasn't for my wife. She brought me to Lighty's Church. And that's a, something I'll never forget. So one final thought. What if your marriage isn't so happy or fulfilling these days? It's possible. C.S. Lewis wisely said this. You, he said, you can't go back and change the beginning, but you can start where you are and change the ending. Today could, in fact, be the first day of improving your marriage. And uh, with God's help and a little imagination, you can make it better. Men, make the first move. Don't wait for her. Uh, it's important not to hesitate. Hesitation only fuels doubt where she'll wonder, perhaps he doesn't love me. Why, why is he hesitating? Uh, hesitation opens the, the pain of the past that, that said things to her like, you're not beautiful, you're not worth fighting for, you're not desirable and worthy to pursue. Don't hesitate, fellas, just pour it on. Uh, again, it might be cheesy and it's, it's too bad she's sitting right here. Uh, and ladies, if you wait for him, don't mess this up. Okay, if he, if he starts loving you a little different today, don't say, oh, you got that because you went to her, hear the sermon. That's not sincere. Uh, don't, let me, don't let that come back to me, okay? I'll tell you and you can chastise him. Okay. Now, fellas, look, she, she wants you to be the hero of, of her life and you can be. Uh, you find your strength in Christ. Trust that his promises are true and his methods infallible, uh, and this thing is gonna get better. Speak to her heart in a thousand ways. Yes, you are lovely. Yes, I will fight for you. Yes, my love is so strong that I'd even die for you. Now that's home improvement. Let's stand and pray. Oh Lord, you loved us so much. You loved Adam, that you made Eve. And for all of us Adams here today, you've given us an Eve, and we're grateful for it. We ask you to bless the people that are married today. We ask you to bless our single friends that stand in our midst. Lord, I pray that they, they're taking something away with this as well, because these marital principles can uh, often be applied into our friendship and our work relationships, Lord, and, and those things. So just bless them. And, and for those of us that are married, we ask you to help us to be quick to apologize when we do wrong and quick to express our love and our respect for one another. We're grateful to go through this life with someone at our side. It's a tough life, it's a tough world. But with you and a faithful spouse, that's a cord of three that no man can cut or break. So we're grateful for that. And we just look forward to seeing you in heaven. But until that time, just pour your spirit through us that we might indeed uh, be an example of what you intended for your church. That when people come into our homes, they, they would get a sense that this is a home where, where Christ resides. Help us, Lord. And in the end, we'll give you the glory. The smiles on our faces will just show how satisfied we are to have you as our Lord and our Savior. We praise you now in Jesus' name, amen.